going to be in Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6. And it says this, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks by faith. Enoch was taken up so that he he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Well, welcome to church on this Sunday morning. My name is Jay, and I'm one of the pastors here at Seven Cities Church. And just want to take a minute to say thank you for joining us today. If you're still saying it, you can go ahead and be seated um, as we get ready to dive into to God's word. And today I want to talk to you about something that I feel like is in short supply in our society, something that I feel like even we as the body of Christ uh, have a diminishing supply on. But it's something that thankfully Jesus said we didn't need a lot of to be effective. And it's faith. Remember, Jesus said we only needed faith the size of a mustard seed and we could move mountains. But it seems as though many of us are living today feel as though we're not sure we even have that mustard seed size faith. Like we're wondering, God, where has my faith gone? Why does it seem to be waning? Why do I find myself in this season where, God, it feels like you're not even there? Where is my faith? And we know that scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And we feel like, God, I hear your word. I listen to to preaching. I listen to Pastor Brian and Pastor Jay and Caleb on Sunday mornings. Um, I study your word. I read your Bible. I listen to your Bible through my YouVersion app. I do daily devotion plans. I do all of that stuff, God. But if faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, why do I feel like my faith is waning? And if you find yourself in that place today, if you find yourself in this place where you look at the world around you and you feel like you're losing faith and you're losing hope, I have a message just for you today. And in some ways, I am going to be preaching to myself because I, too, recently have been looking around wondering sometimes, God, where are you? Now, a couple of weeks ago, I got to spend a week with our students at camp. And it always seems like when you have that kind of experience where you can disconnect from the world and you can find yourself in a place where you're alone with God and the people of God. It's easy to see his presence. It's easy to feel his presence. It's easy to understand that he's there. But then we're thrust back into the real world and you can find yourself wondering, OK, God, where are you? I felt you way up here just a couple of weeks ago. And now I'm looking around and I'm wondering, are you still here or have you left me? And students, if you went to camp and that's how you're feeling now, don't be discouraged. Keep your head up. Let's dive into God's word today. And let's talk about how we can have faith uh, in the midst of everything that we see. And the theme for today's message is going to be choosing faith over fear. That's what we're really going to talk about, choosing faith over fear. And I don't know why those two things always seem to go together, faith and fear. I wonder if they're if they're in some ways opposite sides of the same coin in a sense. And actually, I think there's some truth to that that we'll talk about in a minute. But the theme is going to be choosing faith over fear. Recently. I took my car to the car dealer. And when we got the car to the car dealer, we we're just going to get an oil change. Mr. Sheeta and I took it there. Uh, I, my car gets serviced at Subtle Motors and Newport News. Shout out to Newport News. Woo, woo. 
All right, so my car gets serviced at Subtle Motors in uh, Newport News, and I take my car there, and like I always do, uh, when I get my car serviced, I walk out into the showroom floor just to, just to see what they have. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to go to the car dealer and waste an opportunity to see what they have. Typically, I'm going out there because they sell Cadillacs. No, I don't own one, although I want one. Your pastor has kind of a bougie, expensive taste. Anyway, I don't own a Cadillac, but I do want one. Um, but that's not what I was going out to look at that day. I usually like to go out there and look at the pickups because they also sell GMCs, which is what we own, a GMC Terrain. And, and I wanted to go see the new GMC Sierra to pick up, you know, up close and personal. Just kind of put my hands on it, get a feel for it. Again, don't want to waste an opportunity to go to the car dealer. Now, they also sell Buicks, but eh, I'm not really a Buick guy. So, But if you own a Buick, hey, more power to you. Anyway, not the point. So get to the car dealer. I go out on the showroom floor. I got wifey by the hand. We're walking around. And this gentleman, this kind gentleman who's sitting in his office named Melvin, yells out, hey, is there something I can help you with? And of course, he's a car salesman. So he's thinking, hey, I got this couple. At this time, I'm standing next to this nice blue Cadillac. And I'm, you know, kind of drooling over it a little bit. And he sees this and he's like, here's my opportunity to attack. But of course, I got wifey by the hand. And he's like, hey, can I help you with something? I said, hey, brother, I'm just looking. This little lady right here is not going to let me sign any papers or do anything today. So I don't want to waste your time. I'm just looking. Uh, And he says, he says to her, he says, hey, if that brother need a car, let him get a car. And I'm thinking, I like this guy. Yeah, let me get a car. I can't afford the car. So no, don't let me get the car. That's why Miss Rashida goes to keep me in check because, hey. I might sign something. Anyway, the Cadillac was nice. But so he yells this out and then he starts to talk to us. He's like, man, I understand marriage. It's my anniversary weekend, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to go out of town because it's first Sunday at church. And, you know, I hear that and I'm like, "Okay, my man goes to church. Maybe we can spark up another conversation. So I'm like, what church do you go to? And he tells me nice church out in Newport News. Um, He's been there for a long time, served on the deacon board, all that kind of stuff. And he asked me, he says, you know, are, are you a part of a church? And I said, absolutely. I'm one of the pastors at Seven Cities Church, new church plant over here in the Seven Cities, just trying to reach the community. I get very excited every time I talk about that. Anyway, so he asked me that and then we start talking. We start talking about church. And that's what happens when you find yourself in these conversations. As I don't know about you, but as a preacher, you just got to talk church. You got to talk scripture. You got to talk God. Right. And so we start talking. And we're talking about church and how church has changed. And he's talking about how they're still doing some outdoor services and but how people are coming back and they're coming to those. And but we're just talking about how much church has changed and and how when we look at the world around us, it can be a little bit scary because things are very different from what we knew. Things are very different. And I told him I made the comment to him and he said, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to tell my pastor that so we can use it. And I told him, I said, you know, I think it's okay that the methods have changed. As long as we don't change the message, the message of of God, the message of the gospel has to stay true. But it's okay that we change the methods on how we deliver it. Hence, I'm talking to you through video. But as we continue talking and we talk for probably about 40 minutes and my wife, so loving and so patient, just stood there and listened to the whole thing. And I know in her mind, she's probably thinking, why did I marry a preacher? Because they talk all the time. Anyway, um, so we're having this conversation And he says, hey, man, I know you need to run. I know your wife probably wants to sit down. But before you go, let me say something to you. And he looks me square in the eye and he says to me, sometimes God is going to take you through a storm because he wants to prepare you for what's on the other side. And he said, I just want you to remember that because I know as a pastor, you're under some pressure. There's a lot of things that go on. You're going to go through some storms. Just remember that God is trying to prepare you for what's on the other side. And although he said that to me in the context of me being a pastor, 
I think that's very true for all of us as believers in general. We are all in ministry. We are all called to the work of ministry and we all are on a journey. And sometimes God takes us through storms to prepare us for what's on the other side. But those storms can often make us have fear responses in our life. Those storms can drudge up fear in our life. Look back at Hebrews 11 one, and let's read this again. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When I see words like hoped for and things not seen, well, that tells me that these are things that are outside of my control. These are things that I don't have control over. I have to hope for them. I can't even see them. I have to exercise faith because it's outside of my control. I don't know about you, but when life gets out of control, that's when fear creeps in for me. And fear becomes the enemy of faith. Fear tries to take over faith in my life. And I feel my faith start to wane because these things that I can't control make me respond in fear. Now, I don't know how much you know about fear responses, but it's been said that people tend to respond to fear in three ways. You have fight, flight or freeze. And all three of those things are exactly what they sound like. If someone responds with a fight response, that means you probably don't want to be an obstacle when they are afraid because they are going to fight you to get to a secure place. If someone responds with a flight response, that means that you don't want to be a speed bump when they're trying to run away from whatever has made them afraid because they're going to run and they're not going to stop until they feel secure. And if someone has a freeze response, those are the people that the fight and flight people have to pick up while they're running or fighting and carry out because those people's response to fear is to just freeze. They just stop dead in their tracks. They can't move. They are literally frozen with fear. And maybe you feel like today your fear response has kicked in, like you are angry and you're ready to fight about everything and you're trying to fight the world. You're trying to fight what's happening around you. You're fighting your spouse. You're fighting your kids. And it's because things feel out of control for you. And that's allowed fear to creep in. And now you have this fear response that's telling you to fight. Maybe you are the person who and this is the one that I used to fall into for a long time. Your fear response is flight. Maybe you want to run. And I used to get this tendency that when things got fearful, when I felt out of control, I just wanted to run away. I wanted to run away and start over. I wanted to just get to something new so I could get away from this place where fear crept in because it was not under my control. Or maybe you're that person who is just frozen in fear right now. You're frozen. And you don't know what to do. You feel like you're stuck. You don't know where to go and you don't know what God is doing. You're even questioning if he's there. You feel like he's left you alone in the midst of chaos and you don't know where to go. What if I told you that you could have another option? What if I told you that there was a fourth response to fear that we could exercise and it would eradicate the other three? What if I told you that you could choose faith over fear? You don't have to move into fight mode or flight mode or you don't have to freeze, but you can choose faith and you can stand on God's word. That's what the people that Hebrews 11 talks about. That's what they did. If you look at starting in verse three, it says that by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. But then in verse four, it goes on to talk about people. It talks about Abel how he offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. In verse five, it talks about Enoch, how he was taken up so that he should not see death. And he wasn't found because God had taken him way back in verse two. It talks about the people of old receiving their commendation all by faith. 
These were all people who found themselves living in some type of different circumstance, something that was outside of their control. And instead of falling into fear, they chose faith. And because they chose faith, they received a commendation from God. They're mentioned in the chapter that's often referred to as the Hall of Fame of faith people. Right. You have all of these people throughout the chapter and Noah and Moses and Abraham and all of these other people and Deborah and all of these people who in the midst of fear, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of things feeling out of control, they chose faith. They didn't give in to fear. They didn't let fear take over their life. They didn't fall into the trap of I need to fight with all that's in me and my own strength and my own power because I'm out of control or things are out of control and I don't know what to do. They didn't fall into the trap of I need to run away, even though God has given me his promises. And I know that what he says is true. I need to run away because I'm fearful because things feel out of control. They didn't fall into the trap of I'm just frozen in fear and I didn't know. I don't know what to do. They chose faith. They chose faith over fear. And because of that, they received a commendation from God. What if I told you today that you no longer have to fall into your normal fear response, but you could choose faith over fear? And you could please God, because remember, verse six says that for those, excuse me, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. What if I told you that you could be rewarded by God for choosing faith over fear? And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about the thing. What is the thing, those things that keep you up at night? What are those things in your life? that make you stare at the ceiling and wonder where God is? What are the things that come up in your life that make you question, is God even present here anymore? Or am I on the, doing this on my own? What are the things that make you feel like you have lost control and fear creeps in? Maybe it's a phone call from the doctor that says it's cancer or it's a bad report. Maybe it's a child that you're raising that you're watch struggle with anxiety or depression or a child that's rebellious, who's rebelling against God and rebelling against you. Maybe it's getting a call about one of your parents because they're aging and, and you're not sure about their health. Maybe you turn on the news every day and you sit on your couch in disbelief as you watch the world around us. You just shake your head saying, God, where are you in the midst of this? What is the thing that keeps you up at night? What is the thing that makes you afraid? And I want to talk to you about this today because I want you to understand how you can overcome fear and exercise faith in your life. Like I mentioned earlier, I was that guy whose response was flight, not that something fearful would come up and I would turn around and run away like, ah, help me. No, nothing like that. But my initial response to things being uncomfortable, my initial response to things feeling like Jay is not in control of them anymore. My initial response to fear creeping into my life was I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here. God, I don't care what you're doing in this moment. I don't care what you're doing in this season. I don't care what you're trying to do in me. I don't want to be here. I want to get away. And I would always have these dreams about, hey, I'm starting over new in this city or that city, or I'm moving to this place or that place, or I'm going somewhere where these problems, where this out of control chaos is no longer around me. I'm getting away from this because I want to eliminate fear. I want to feel in control. So I'm going to go somewhere new. That was my response. And the Lord had to teach me that you can't respond that way. The Lord had to teach me that when I've placed you somewhere, I've placed you there for a reason and a purpose. And I need you to be there, even though things feel out of control, even though you may feel weak, even though you may feel like your faith is waning. I have you right where I want want you on purpose and for a purpose. And you have to learn to operate in those situations, because the more that you exercise faith 
in the midst of fear, the more that you choose to, to choose to follow faith instead of those normal fear responses, the more the more you program yourself for faith to become your normal response. And that's the goal of all of this is to get to point to the point where when we face something, faith is the normal response. It's no longer fight, flight or freeze, but we choose to respond in faith. That's what God is growing us towards. When my buddy Melvin said, hey, God will take you to, through a storm to prepare you for what's on the other side. He was talking about God building our faith, God building my faith to prepare me to have enough faith to stand firm in the midst of attack, to stand firm in the midst of adversity, to stand firm in the midst of conflict, no matter what I may face on the other side. And it makes me think about James chapter one, where he talks about count it all joy when you endure various trials, because the testing of your faith produces patience and you should let patience have its perfect work. Let it be complete in you. God has a plan and a purpose. No matter what you're going through, he has a plan and a purpose for it. He's not walking you through this for his enjoyment or his amusement. He's walking you through this to produce fruit in you, to help you grow in Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that involves building your faith and you overcoming fear. Now, the way the Lord helped me do this in my life, and I'm still not perfect at it, but the way he helped me do this in my own personal life was through one verse. And that verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. And it simply says this. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And God used that one verse in my life to teach me how I could overcome fear. And what I did was I actually memorized that verse. I took the time to learn it, to commit it to memory. And every time I found myself in a situation where my first thought was, Jay, you need to get out of here. Instead of letting that thought reside, I would quote that verse. I would say, Jay, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. You can handle this. You can stand firm on his word. His strength is perfected in your weakness. You can do this. You just have to stay firm. Don't try to run away. Stand in this moment and see what God is trying to do in you and through you and watch him work. Stand firm on his word. Overcome fear with faith. Don't allow fear to overcome your faith. And so you can choose to respond in faith today. And now what I want to do is just take a moment and break down that verse for you and talk about that verse just a little bit. Second Timothy one seven. And I want you to say this with me and I want you to ins insert your name as we say this. I want you to say for God has not given Jay or whatever your name is a spirit of fear, but he has given Jay or whatever your name is a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Now, some versions say a sound mind, but it's really talking about controlling your thoughts, controlling where your mind goes, because where you where your mind goes, where those thoughts go ultimately determines where your actions and your behaviors go. Right. So having that self-control is about controlling your thoughts, your responses, your behaviors and your actions. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power and of love and of self-control so that you can overcome fear with faith. Now, let's break that verse down just for a moment. It says, for God has not given. That's how it starts. And if we think about that, understand this. Fear does not come from God. Fear does not come from God. Now, God may allow you to walk through a situation that creates fear, but fear does not come from him. In fact, the apostle John told us that perfect love casts out all fear. 
You don't have to be afraid. It doesn't come from God. What you have to remember in that moment is that greater is he who's in me than he that is in the world. So that when you feel afraid, you realize this does not come from my heavenly father. It's coming from the one who's in the world. But greater is my heavenly father than this one over here that's in the world. that's making me afraid. You don't have to be afraid for God has not given you a spirit of fear. It didn't come from God. The second thing I want to point out to you in that verse is this. That word spirit is lowercase, which means that it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, God did give us his Holy Spirit as our seal, as our guarantee at the day of salvation. The Holy Spirit made us alive. The book of Romans tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us and makes alive our mortal bodies. So God did make us alive. And when it talks about that word spirit, that word spirit there in lowercase, I want you to think back to the Garden of Eden to the very beginning. When you read Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 126, but don't don't hold it against me if I'm quoting this wrong. But when God said, let us make man in our own image. Right. And so he created male and female. And the scripture says that God breathed his life into man. That life, that breath, that's our spirit. That's what makes us different from the animals. That's what makes us alive. That's what leaves our bodies when we die. And that spirit goes to be with Jesus if we're in Christ or it goes to hell if we're not in Christ. That's the thing that lives for all of eternity. That spirit is saying that God did not give you a spirit of fear. Again, fear didn't come from God. So when he breathed his life into you, there was no fear in that. He didn't put fear into you. That spirit that was dead in you before Christ, the spirit that had to be made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit in you in Christ, that spirit did not come with fear as a character trait. But as character traits, that spirit has power, love, and self-control. Think about that. So when you were born, you were spiritually dead because we're all born into sin. But the Holy Spirit, at the moment we trust Christ, he comes and he indwells us. He gives us the life, the life that raised, same life that raised Jesus from the dead. He quickens us and makes alive our mortal bodies. And that spirit, that life that he gives us in our spirit is a spirit of power, love, and self-control. These are your spiritual character traits, if you will. And so let's talk about these character traits a little bit. This character trait of power. What does fear do when it comes in? It makes you feel powerless, right? You start to feel like you're hopeless. In fact, that's exactly where fear comes from. Fear tells me that I can't overcome this. My power is gone. And then I feel out of control. I feel like I have no control over the situation. So I allow fear to win. And when I allow fear to win and I feel powerless and I feel hopeless, that's when I go back to those fear responses. I go back to, hey, let me try to fight my way through this and white knuckle my way through this. Let me try to flight my way out of this. And that's probably why I remember I said I used to do that. I used to be the guy that wanted to run. That's probably why I ran track in the day. But let me flight my way through this. Let me get out of here. Or let me just freeze. I'm frozen. I'm so scared. I can't move. That's the response that comes because fear makes us feel powerless. It takes away our power. But we just been told that when God makes us alive through his Holy Spirit in us, when he indwells us in the life that raised Jesus from the dead now makes us alive. That spirit, that life comes with the character trait of power. You cannot be made powerless because you have the power of Christ in you. Let that sink in for a moment. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you are not powerless. You're not hopeless. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And this is an opportunity for faith to overcome fear in your life. So you don't have to choose fight, flight or freeze. You can choose faith and you can say, although I feel helpless, 
in this moment. Although I feel powerless, I know that I'm not powerless because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have the power of God on my side and I choose to have faith in him in this situation, not put my faith in the power of the things I'm fighting against. You can choose faith over fear in that moment and have power. He's given you a spirit of power. The second one he says is that he's given you a spirit of love. And that one made me think for a moment. Why? How does love fit in there? What does fear do to love? Fear strips us of our compassion. Fear strips us of our capacity to love other people, to put other people first. If you don't believe me, just watch a chaotic scene. Just watch a situation where someone pulls a gun in a crowd and starts shooting or where something happens and something blows up or a terrible crash happens or a big wave is coming. People stop having compassion for other people. Most people stop having compassion for other people. Most people don't care if you're an elderly person or a two-year-old that's only been walking for six months or if you're disabled. They don't care what your situation is. They will run over you. They will trample you. They will, they will beat you to death to get themselves to safety. Fear steals our capacity to love. It steals our compassion. It makes us not care about other people because we feel out of control. And if I can't control the situation, I have to go into self-preservation mode. I have to make sure that I'm okay. And so I don't care if I trample you to death. I'm getting me out of here. That's what fear does to us. But this verse says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. It doesn't come from him. That greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. So that when I face a situation that makes me fearful, when I face a situation that makes me afraid, I can care about other people in the midst of that. I can have compassion no matter what I'm going through, just like Jesus had compassion to the point that after he had been beaten and nailed to a cross, he talks to a robber beside him who says, Lord, remember me today when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus has enough compassion to tell him today you'll see me in paradise. Jesus had enough compassion to make sure that his mother was left in capable hands as he was nailed to the cross. And he looked down and he saw his apostle and friend or his disciple and friend, John, standing there. He said, son, behold your mother and mother, behold your son. Jesus being the firstborn, knowing that it was, it was his job to take care of his mother, saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. Even in the midst of my pain, even in the midst of agony, even in the midst of all that I'm going through, I have enough compassion to care for you. That's what the love of God and the power of God and the spirit of God and the life that he's breathed into us will give us in the midst of fear. So that when you turn on the news at night and you look at the world around you, instead of having that fight moment where you just want to go out and beat up everybody who doesn't agree with you or where you just want to run away from this place, you can be like Jesus. And be moved with compassion because you see people as sheep without a shepherd and you know the good shepherd. And because you've chosen to overcome fear with faith, you can operate in love and compassion and you can care for people in the midst of the worst circumstance. The last thing the verse says that that spirit gives us is a spirit of self-control. And this points back to the heart of what fear does to us. Remember, fear makes us feel powerless. It makes us feel hopeless. It makes us feel like we're out of control. And here's something that I thought about with self-control. Oftentimes when we talk self-control, what we're really talking about or thinking about is overcoming temptation. We're talking about willpower. We're talking about the ability 
to um to overcome the things that tempt us in life. Like when we talk self-control, if I have an issue with eating too much, self-control would be me going to the buffet and eating a normal serving. If we're talking about uh, someone having an issue with lust or something like that, self-control would say that when you feel those urges, you don't click on the TV to look at pornography or or on the computer to look at pornography. You control those urges. When we talk self-control, that's really what we are talking about. But self-control is so much more than just the how we control the outward behaviors or actions that we have. Self-control actually starts up here in controlling your thoughts, those same thoughts that make you feel like you're helpless and that you're out of control and that you have no way out and that God has left you. Self-control starts in your mind. It starts with you controlling where you allow your mind to go to in the midst of chaos, because if we're if we're honest about it, that's often really the thing that gets us to a bad place is we have a situation come in and we're fearful. We have a situation come in that we don't know how to respond to. And because we don't know how to respond to, our thoughts lead us to a place of fear. We lay in bed at night and this is why we can't sleep because we think about every bad scenario that can happen. We start running war games in our head and we're thinking if this person does this, I'm going to have to respond that way. Or if the doctor calls and he says this, what am I going to do about my spouse and my kids and my parents and all that stuff? Or if I get a call from my, my kid and they say, hey, I've been locked up or mom, I'm sorry, I'm pregnant or hey, I don't love God anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore. When we get those calls. We start thinking about all of the scenarios that could happen and how we're going to have to respond. And our thoughts are what really allows fear to creep in in our, in our life. And because we we don't have control of our thoughts. We don't have control of fear and fear creeps in and our faith starts to wane because we start to think that greater is the one that we're fighting against than the one that's in us. But scripture has told us that greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to be afraid of whatever's coming my way because I serve the greater one. I have faith in the greater one. That's why Hebrews 11 one says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. This, it's the evidence of things not seen. And I know that I just mixed up two verses or two translations because I memorized this in the New King James years ago, where it says that that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance makes me think that faith is the thing that holds it all together. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So even though you can't see it by faith, you know that it's there. Even though you don't see God working by faith, you know that he's moving. Even though you don't feel God working by faith, you know that he's present. You can have faith that overcomes fear no matter what comes your way, because your faith comes from the greater one and from his word and standing on his promises. You can have self-control in those moments when you choose faith as your response to fear. You will get self-control because God has given you a spirit of self-control. It's a character trait in you when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you and you take on the life, the same life that raised Jesus from the dead is breathed into you. That character trait of self-control along with love and power enters into you. It's in there. It's already there. All you have to do is tap into it. Just tap into it so that you can respond to fear in faith. You don't have to be overcome with fear. And that's, again, the theme of this message. We can choose faith over fear. We don't have to be afraid. Sometimes God is going to allow us to go through a storm to prepare us for what's on the other side. And those storms come to build our faith. You know, I think about the story of some people who face the storm in Scripture. And you are immediately going to know what I'm talking about if you study Scripture for any point of time. But there's a story in the book of Mark 
of Jesus being on a boat with his disciples. And as they're on this boat and they're, they're traveling across, I believe it was the Sea of Galilee. It says a great windstorm arose, a great windstorm arose. And I don't think scripture uh, takes things lightly. I think that that word great is put there for a reason, because these men, most of them were fishermen by trade. They had spent most of their lives out on boats on the sea. They knew about storms. This says it was a great storm or a great windstorm that arose. Um, so I think that's on there on purpose. And we have to catch that. It was a great storm. You may feel like you're facing a great storm in your life right now. Maybe it's not the normal. Uh, my kid got a bad grade or my kid talked back to me. Maybe you're facing a real storm. Maybe the doctor just called you and he said it's cancer. Uh, maybe the doctor just called you and told you your, your mom or your dad doesn't have much longer or that your kid, there's something wrong with your kid. Maybe it's a great storm that you're facing and you feel like the disciples on the boat. It says that as the storm arose, that the disciples started talking among themselves and they started questioning, like, what's up with Jesus? How can he be asleep in the back of the boat? Doesn't he even care that we are perishing? And hear me on this. If that's where you find yourself and you're saying, does he not even care that I'm perishing? Doesn't he know what I'm going through? He cares. He loves you. He said you can cast your care on him because he cares for you. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. Jesus cares. He does care. And even though you may not feel him moving, even though you may feel like he's asleep in the boat, he's very aware of what you're facing. Not a single tear is wasted on him. He knows what you're going through and he cares. But the disciples were saying, doesn't he even care? Doesn't he know that we're about to perish? And so one of them woke him up. They woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, look at what's happening around us. It's a great storm. And scripture stood up and or scripture says that Jesus got up and he spoke to the wind and the sea. He said, peace, be still. And I've heard I've I've preached that Jesus got up like a parent that just got woken up from their nap. You know, you've been trying to take that nap on a Saturday afternoon on the couch and your kids are fighting. They're rumbling around and you wake up and you're like, peace, be still, you know, and you're mad. And they're all like, ah, and I've, I've preached it that way before. But I heard someone recently say that they believe that Jesus got up and just in a quiet, calm voice, it's just like peace, be still because he wasn't afraid. There was no fear. There was no anxiety. There was no animosity. There was no 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 negative response in him at all because he knew that he was in control. Right. And so he says, peace, be still. And it says the wind and the sea obeyed him. And you may feel like that's what you need in your life right now is you need you need Jesus to stand up and say, peace, be still so that the wind and the sea, the storm in your life will obey him because greater is he than the storm that you're facing. Maybe this is exactly what you need today. And you find yourself in this place. And I would tell you what, I, what I'm about to say about the disciples in a second. It says that the disciples looked at him and they marveled. And they said among themselves, who is this? Who is this? Think about this. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'll tell you who he is. His name is Jesus. And he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who was there at the beginning. He's the word who became flesh and dwelled among us. His name is Jesus. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's our wonderful counselor. He's our mighty God. He's our Prince of Peace. He's the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. This is Jesus, the Rose of Sharon. He's beautiful. He's magnificent. He's all powerful. He's seated on high. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's your high priest. He's the one who makes intercession for you daily. He's the one who keeps you. He prays over you. He's the one who died for you. He's the one who cares for you. His name is Jesus. That's who he is. 
This is the one who's in control. The one who the wind and the sea and the storm in your life have to obey. His name is Jesus. And you can say his name with me now. You can say his name, Jesus. This is him who the wind and the sea obey. You can overcome fear with faith when your faith is in the one that even the wind and sea have to obey. You can overcome fear when, with faith when your faith is in the one who spoke and the planets flew into orbit. You can overcome fear with faith when your faith is in the one who had the power to, after he died for your sins, to take up his life again and live victoriously. That's how you overcome fear with faith. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's breathed his life of power, love, and self-control into you. But your faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, comes from Jesus, comes from his word. His Holy Spirit puts that faith inside of you. And that is your power to overcome fear. And that storm, this storm that you're going through, God is building your faith so that when you get to the other side, not only do you have a testimony, but you have the strength to face whatever comes your way. Church, I believe we're in a season right now where God wants to use us, his capital C church, but also us Seven Cities Church as a light in our community to show how faith can overcome fear. We live in a world of turmoil. People are so afraid of everything right now. Half our country is afraid of, afraid of a virus. The other half is afraid of masks. We're afraid of our neighbors. We're afraid of our relatives. We're afraid of so much stuff because our world is out of control. And when it's out of control, that's when fear creeps in. And right now, church, we have an opportunity. We can respond in fear and choose to fight and we can go out and lose our compassion and we can try to fight everybody and conform them to our will. We can choose flight and we can just run away and hide in our houses and choose to not be a part of anything. We can choose freeze. We can just feel like we're stuck and that we're just going to stay where we are because we don't know what to do or how to do it. Or we can choose faith and we can choose faith and we can realize that we have power because God has made us powerful in him. His strength is perfected in our weakness. We can have love. We can have the same compassion that Jesus had when he was moved with compassion because he saw the people as sheep without a shepherd. And we can have self-control starting with our thoughts. We can renew our minds to make sure that our behaviors, our responses are faith-filled responses. Because when we respond in fear, when we have a normal fear response, that's not very Christ-like. But when we respond in faith, the world can see Christ in us and we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to guide people to life in Christ. Are you with me on this? Will you choose today to have faith over fear? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I so thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. I thank you that you have placed us here for such a time as this, Lord, and that you have given us faith. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control that you've breathed those things into us, that our spirits have those things as character traits, power, love, self-control, so that we don't have to feel helpless and weak. We're made strong in you, that we can have compassion on our neighbors and the people around us, and we can have self-control in our thoughts and our behaviors, our responses, and our actions. And we get all of that from you, Jesus. And I thank you for that. I pray for each of us that are going through a storm. I pray that you would fill us with your faith, the faith 
that you had, Jesus, when you knew that you could endure the cross, you knew that you could take your life up again, you knew that you would be returning to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, that faith that you had. Fill us with that faith. And you said we only need a mustard seed amount, so I pray that you give us that. Because it's not the quantity of our faith, it's the quality of it. It's the one that we're placing our faith in. And today we choose to place our faith in you. Because greater are you, Lord, than the one that's in the world. Jesus, there's no other name, no more powerful name, no more holy name, no more worthy name than your name, Lord Jesus. And so I pray that you would remind us that when fear comes, when we feel out of control, when we feel like we we don't want to be in this situation anymore, when we want to fight or run away or freeze and, and be stuck in fear, I pray that you would remind us to just speak your name, the name above all names, the name above every problem, the name above every circumstance, the name above every fear, and that we find peace, your peace, the same peace that the, that the wind and the sea had to take when you told them to be still that your peace that surpasses all understanding would rule and reign in our hearts. And we praise you and thank you for it. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, church, as you go.